Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Exodus chapter 32. Hear now the word of the Lord. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they had handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then he said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made for themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, whom you brought out of Egypt. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. What was the first television show that you were obsessed with? Not just the first one you saw, but the first one that you saw every episode. I'm sure there were some cartoons whenever I was an infant, but the first television show I can remember watching religiously was The Wonder Years. I used to watch two episodes every night on Nick at Night. It wasn't when they aired, it was a few years later. But I've seen The Wonder Years a lot. And the thing above all that sticks out to me about that show is how easily the theme song will get stuck in your head. You remember the theme song from The Wonder Years? Underneath the home videos of Fred Savage enjoying life with his family and his friends, play the Joe Cocker rendition of the song originally written by the Beatles. Even as I say this, I wonder if that melody is going through your brain right now. What would you do if I sang out of tune? Would you stand up and walk out on me? Remember how the chorus goes? I get by with little help from my friends. I think the reason why I like that song, or at least the sentiment so much, is because I believe that that song and that sentiment particularly might be one of the most foundational realities of being a Christian. The idea that the only way you're gonna get through this life is with a little help from some friends. We only find fulfillment in life if it is lived with others. And so for the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna consider what it means to be better together. We're gonna consider particularly about the journey of Christian discipleship as it's done in community. We feel very strongly as Methodists that the Christian journey is not one that we take alone and that it's very hard to be a Christian in isolation. This time of the COVID seems to have 
separated us one from another and made us realize just how much we do need each other. And so I hope you will be with us over the coming weeks, and I pray you'll spend time reflecting on your own discipleship journey and perhaps find new ways God is speaking into your life. And this morning, I would like for us to begin this series by considering Aaron, the brother of Moses, and I would like to preach from the subject with a little help from my friends. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said, amen. Have you ever heard the phrase that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with? Have you ever thought about that? Take a moment to think. Who are the five people that you spend the majority of your waking hours with? Are they family or friends, coworkers, classmates? During this COVID time, maybe there are now fewer people that you spend time with than you once did. But even if it's by Zoom or text message, who are the five people that command a significant portion of your life? that command your attention more than anyone else. Mine are my wife, Brianna, our two best friends, Kristen and Michael Wright, one of whom is the associate pastor at Ashland Place United Methodist, the other is the senior pastor at Spring Hill Avenue United Methodist, and my children, August and Bradshaw. But if I were to not include a toddler and an infant when considering people's influence on my behavior, then it would be Brianna, Micah, Kristen, and then our other clergy here, Michael, our senior pastor who's preaching in the contemporary service right now, and Kathy. I think those are the five people I spend the majority of my waking hours talking to. Who are the five people that command most of your attention? These are not just your best friends, the people you like the most. The question is, who are the five people that you spend the most time with on a weekly basis? When you figure out who they are, I want you to ask yourself, are these people that you want to be like? Are these five people that you think will make a positive influence on your life? Do they make you want to be better? Do they push you, challenge you? Do they support you? Do you think they're gonna be there for you when things get rough? Or will they weave their way through your life and eventually disappear forever. I'm very lucky to say yes to those questions of will they be there. Of the five people that I'm closest with, that I spend the most time with, four of them are pastors and one is a saint. So I think I'm doing all right, but I have no doubt that I'm bringing the averages down for them as they bring mine up. But what about you? Who is impacting your life? And whose life are you impacting? Let's turn our attention back to Aaron for just a moment. The lesson we read this morning from Exodus. Aaron is the first great priest in the lineage of Israelite clergymen. He is the religious authority of all things Jewish law and custom. And even this pillar of the Israelite faith was influenced by those around him, both for good and for bad. 
Aaron was the brother of the great leader Moses. And as Moses' right-hand man, he did many great things. He helped the people during their time in the wilderness. He aided Moses as a co-leader of Israel. Moses was not the most articulate person, so Aaron often spoke on his behalf. Moses made Aaron better, but Aaron also made Moses better. But there was one time that Moses had to journey up to the top of Mount Sinai. That's what we read about just a moment ago. And he left Aaron there to lead the people. And while Moses was up there on top of the mountain, Aaron let those other voices, the people who he was with the most, guide his actions and his decisions. The text said, when the, Moses, when the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make for us gods who will go before us. And as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And that's what Aaron did. He told the people, bring me your gold and I'll craft it into a golden calf and we can worship it. And they made an altar to it. All it took was a momentary absence of a healthy, good influence in his life for him to turn his consciousness over to anyone that was there to fill the influence void. It's not like Aaron was a bad guy. He wasn't. He was actually a really good guy. He did a lot of good things before this incident, and he did a lot of great things after it as well. He was not irredeemable because of this mistake. But we do have here a clear example that even the best of us are still influenced by those with whom we spend our time. You know, there's another story in the Bible of somebody being influenced by their peers. In the New Testament, there's a tax collector named Levi. Maybe you've heard of Levi. And tax collectors in ancient Israel are the most reviled of characters. Nobody likes tax collectors because they don't have billable hours. Tax collectors are not salaried employees. You know how tax collectors made their money? They took it from you and from me, from the regular people. In order to make a living, they would add an additional amount of money to whatever the government told them you owed in taxes. Whatever the difference was between what you were supposed to pay and what they told you you had to pay, they got to keep for themselves. They got rich by extorting regular, hardworking people. So they were seen as evil, greedy people in cohorts with the Roman Empire. Tax collectors were not somebody that anybody wanted in their group of five. Nobody wanted to be influenced by the tax collector. Until this Galilean came around named Jesus. And he saw the tax collector there at his booth and he told him, follow me. Tax collector, tax collector gets up and he follows this soon to be savior. And in the gospel of Mark and Matthew, he goes by his Hebrew name, in the gospel, excuse me, Mark and Luke, he goes by his Hebrew name, Levi. But in the other two Gospels, he is referred to by his Greek name, Matthew. This tax collector named Matthew, he gives us one of the only surviving Gospels to exist in our holy canon. A person of ill repute, 
surrounded by shady influencers, later finds himself surrounded by a group of positive people, positive influences, and abandons a life of greed and extortion for a life of service and discipleship. You know, that's the kind of impact, the kind of influence that being surrounded by the right people can have on us. All of us are susceptible to influence. All of us have the ability to be influenced. We can all be persuaded. No matter how strong we think our resolve is, and I don't just mean by active persuasion, like advertising or debates or somebody telling you to do something. More often than not, our personalities and our behaviors are shaped by passive persuasion that happens by proximity. The people to whom you are closest, that you spend the most time with, they will shape your behavior just by you being close. The people with whom you are in closest proximity will influence the way you think and the things you choose to do. And so we as a church, for one, wanted to recognize this and name it as true and say it's okay, it's perfectly human to be influenced by people that you spend time with. We are all striving to be better but we are all passively persuaded by the people that we are close to. But we also want to offer a way to increase the positive influence in your life. Today is the first day we are announcing the launch of new small groups and classes, of new discipleship opportunities that can help you take the next step in your faith or retake a step that you've taken before but want to engage in again. Starting next Sunday, you will have the opportunity to sign up to be in a new group or a new class, a chance to re-engage in community, a chance to be influenced by others. We believe that small groups have the potential to change your life and change the life of this church. I know many people in this room have personal testimonies about how their small groups have changed their life, like their supper club, and how the people in their supper club are there for them, or their Sunday school class, and how they've learned about Jesus because of the people in their class or their life group, and how those relationships have helped form them. We want everybody to have that experience. We want everyone to experience the joy of discipleship that takes place when we're together. And we admit we have not done a great job as of late, giving clear ways to plug into the life of the church, to engage your discipleship in new ways. And so we want to rectify that. Tonight we're having our first small group leader training session. I'm very excited about this. For the next three weeks, Vanessa Rayner and I will be working with a number of people who have volunteered to lead a new group. And these groups will have variety. They launch beginning February 21st, and some will meet on Sundays, and some will meet throughout the week. Some will be on Sunday mornings during the classic 9.15 to 10.30 Sunday school hour. Some will meet on campus on Sunday evenings because we will provide childcare here. Some will meet in people's homes. Others will meet outdoors. Some will be, one of them will be completely online until the end of the pandemic, 
and others will be completely in person with masks and social distancing. Beginning next week, you'll be able to go to DauphinWayUMC slash register to see the new options and all the options for the new groups being offered. You can select a time or a day or a leader that you feel like it works best. If it's something that you want to take, if this is the next step in your Christian journey. All of our groups are going to begin their time traveling together with all of us during Lent. As we preach and learn through the entire season of Lent from the same content, all of our sermons, all of the small group material, our children's lessons, and our youth lessons are all going to be around the enter, Entering the Passion of Jesus, a book by Amy Jill Levine. For a whole season, our entire church is going to journey and study and work through the Passion of Jesus together. And I'm really excited about that possibility of what that unity of coming and drawing in to the same content can do for us. And if you're not looking for a long-term commitment, but you still want to learn along with us, I'll be teaching that material in a class format on Sunday nights. It is a very minimal commitment. And you can come be with us as we do that together. And so if you are new to our church, you're ready, maybe you're not ready to join a group, or maybe you don't need a new group, but you still want to learn these things, there is an option for everybody to take the next step in your discipleship journey, to engage your faith by being in community. And so as we wrap up this morning, we wrap up the sermon and continue worshiping, I hope you and your family will first consider it. Who are you spending your time with? And are you glad about that? Are the people who consume your waking hours people that you want to be like? Are they people that you feel like make you better? And second, I hope you will pray about taking the next step in your Christian journey, about diving deeper into discipleship, to consider joining one of our new groups or classes or restarting an existing class that has not been meeting. You know, Moses needed Aaron and Aaron needed Moses. They were better when they were together and it wasn't a one-way street. you have the opportunity to not only benefit yourself by being a part of discipleship, but by helping somebody else who might need to hear your story. Helping the church be more whole by bringing your experience. People might not know when they're missing because they haven't met you yet. And you might think, well, I, I've messed up. You know, I've done things that you know, I might not be a great leader or I might not be a great participant in a small group. Nobody want me in their small group. Moses didn't stop loving Aaron. And Aaron didn't stop doing great things just because he made a mistake. They continued to make each other better. Even with the checkered past, Matthew's presence with the disciples made him and the group better. And today makes all of us better because we have his stories. I wonder who God has in your future. What new relationships are waiting to be formed? What group is going to transform your life? Because we know without a shadow of a doubt that life is just better when we are together.
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we move into a time of offering, I give thanks. Generosity continues to support this church and the ways in which you continue to care for one another. And I give thanks for the gifts of our music ministry that offer us a chance to reflect on the blessings God has given us and to give thanks for the ways we can use these blessings to bless the world. So will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for the ways in which you are moving in our midst. Help us to never take for granted the things that you have given us, the goodness of your kingdom. Use our offerings that we give to you to make your kingdom known on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.